So I came to this church in, uh, I think it was 1983, 82, 83, and I came specifically because the church I was going to was nice, it was fun, good music, good preaching, but this church, uh, Bible Fellowship of Riverside at the time, uh, was a sending church, and I wanted to be sent, and so I came to this church, and so uh, I'm humbled and I'm honored today to be speaking to you at our, at our Missions uh, Sunday, part of our Missions Conference. We've had some great things go on already. We had a great game night. If you were here for that, woohoo, it was fun. All right. We played like this Missions Bingo, and out of that, it's been suggested to me that I sort of do my sermons, sort of like play bingo and preach and stuff. And so with that in mind, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but it was fun, and it was great. Last night, we had the missionaries share. Each one of them shared uh, about their ministry and life, and it was just, uh, it was just humbling to, to just be a part of this, in this, this history of this church. And if you've attended Bridges for very long, you're aware that missions is not something that we just talk about once a year. We don't just, I mean, we emphasize it this weekend, but it's something that's, as Tom said several times, it's in our DNA. You know that we believe that it's our responsibility to extend God's kingdom, to extend it beyond our family and our friends and our neighbors and our community, our state, our nation, beyond our culture, that our responsibility as disciples of Jesus Christ to extend His kingdom to all nations. And that's very clear, at least it should be. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, said to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples. He said to his disciples to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go make disciples of all nations. That word nations is the Greek word ethnos where we get our our word ethnic, and it refers to a specific ethnic group, groups of peoples. A group of people that shares the same culture and language, ethnic heritage. So Jesus commands his disciples to go make disciples, followers of Christ, not just of people, individuals, but of, of peoples, of nations from every group of people on the earth. And at Bridges, we believe that this command continues to apply to his disciples today. In fact, our mission statement, the mission statement of our church, reflects this belief. The mission of Bridges Church is to glorify God by renewing lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and equipping people to bring Christ-centered change to the world. We believe that God receives glory when our lives are, are transformed by the power of His Holy Spirit. And then that glory is magnified when we leave this place and uh, transformed by God and we engage in being world changers, in bringing Christ-centered change to our world, engaging in the mission given by God to His people to go and make disciples in every unique people group in the world. Now that certainly includes the world we're in, the world we, we live in. It includes our family and our friends and our neighbors and our community, our city, our state, our nation, our culture. But it also includes the whole world, all peoples. We want to equip people to see the world, 
to see the world and to seek God for how, uh, how and where they can be personally involved in his mission to reach that world. The Joshua Project, which is a group that helps us to see the world, says that there are approximately 9,817 of these people groups, of these nations, ethnic groups. And of those, 4,063 they classify as unreached. They define an unreached people group as a people group uh, among which there is no indigenous, indigenous means within them, their people, community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize this people group without outside assistance. Basically, uh, the, the group of people, the Christians, if there any do exist, there's not enough of them to generate a movement to reach their specific culture. And it's part of our mission to be involved in reaching those unreached people groups. Now for some, for some, that means becoming a missionary, uh, learning a new language, going to a different culture to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But it also means that as a church and as an individuals, as, as individuals, we are all to support those who go as missionaries. We are either goers or supporters. We're either goers or senders. That's the choice. And being a supporter involved, includes praying for those who go and supporting them with our, our resources, being there uh, for them, encouraging them, giving financially to their ministry and in other ways to help support their efforts to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in these other people groups. So at Bridges, we take seriously our mission given to us by Jesus Christ. And so my mission this morning is to reinforce our mission in our hearts and minds, that it will have impact in our feet and in our hands and in our, our mouths and in our wallets. For those who've been part of Bridges for many years, this message should be a a refresher, a reminder. And for those that are new, I pray that this message helps you to move forward in your understanding and your involvement in reaching all peoples for Jesus Christ. Because we believe that God's heart is for all peoples. And that every single one of us, not just a special few, is commanded to be involved in, Not only in the local mission of the church, we've got to do that, we want to do that, we want to keep doing that in reaching, but but also involved in reaching the nations for Christ. Now the question is, how do we know that? Why do we believe that that God's heart is for all peoples? And how do we know that, that we are to be involved? We, each one of us, is to be involved with his mission to reach those peoples. Well, the answer could be uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. Uh, the passage we looked at known as the Great Commission, right? Jesus commanded his disciples to go make uh, uh, disciples of all peoples, of all nations. Therefore, God must have a heart for all nations, all peoples, Right? And the church has yet to reach all peoples. It's not done yet. Therefore, we must continue to go. And that, in some ways, should suffice. That should be enough uh, to get us involved. Uh, But God has given us so much more. God in His Word, the Bible, 
has revealed over and over again His heart for all peoples and His call for His people to be involved in reaching all peoples. Now that's a bold statement. I mean, we know that the Great Commission, we know the Great Commission, we read it, but the whole Bible? Really? Isn't the God of the Old Testament only concerned, I mean, when I read the Old Testament, don't I find that the God of the Old Testament is only concerned about the nation Israel? Doesn't He just, you know, judge and wipe out those other nations? Isn't it only when we get to the New Testament and Jesus that we hear anything about God's heart for other peoples, uh, the, the Gentiles? Well, if you've been with us in our study through the Old Testament these past 30 plus weeks, I hope you know the answer to that question. I hope you know that the Bible, the Old and the New Testament are filled with God's heart for all peoples. What I want, and what I want us, uh, us to see and be convinced of and to apply to our hearts this morning is the truth that God's heart for all peoples is not something the Bible merely speaks about. It's what the Bible is about. The Bible is the history, His story of redemption, God redeeming all peoples. And this morning I'm going to show you this in, well I was going to show you this in two ways. I'm skipping one way. Uh, I'm going to have Anthony post this other way. It was a video, we don't have time to show it this morning, but it's a video done, done by Global Frontiers Missions. In six minutes, it gives a great overview, and I'm going to post that on on the website, uh, on our Facebook page. And so, go look at that. Shows God's heart for all peoples in a very creative way. We're not going to do that. But we're going to look at God's Word. I want us to continue. At the end of that video, it asks a question. It says, it says, what part will we play? And that's the question I want to put before us. What part will we play in reaching all peoples. So, uh, so let's start. Let's think about Scripture. Uh, think about the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and the earth. We had that. Somebody read that to us. Jim last night. He was reading that passage to us last night. And so, let me ask this: What was the command that the first command God gave to Adam and Eve? Anybody remember? Subdue before that, fill the earth. Fill the earth. God commanded Adam and Eve to fill the earth. And then, uh, and then later, after some negative stuff happened, we call it the fall happened, God uh, sent a flood. Noah's stepping out of the, the ark. The, the, the flood has happened. He's built this ark. He steps out. And what is the first command God gives Noah as he steps out of the ark? Fill the earth. God had some idea about filling the earth, about the people going throughout the earth. He created us as in His image, and He wanted His image to be taken throughout the earth. But the peoples disobeyed. You know, your Scripture, they, they stayed together, and they built this tower, seeking to build a tower to heaven, seeking to uh, uh, demonstrate that they were like God. And God comes and He judges them by confusing their languages. And He scatters them over the earth, creating different groups of people, different nations. He creates, uh, God creates the ethnos, 
Now, if you look at Genesis chapter 11, so this, is, this has happened, the, the scattering, God has created the nations. If you look at Genesis chapter 11, after the Tower of Babel, you see a list of about 70 different uh, nations, 70 different groups of people, all, all, uh, all different, different languages. And the question is, how is God going to reach all these now different kind of peoples? Now, if it were me, I might think, okay, I got these angels, angels or messengers. I might just pick 70 of them, designate one each for each people group, send my angels down, and uh, tell these people how I want them to relate to me. But I'm not God, and that's not what God did. Instead, God establishes a missionary nation. It's like God looked down on the earth, and he sees these 70 different groups of people, sinful people, tower-building people, and he says, how will I reach them? How will I redeem these people? And the answer is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Instead of going to each group, God goes to one man, to a man named Abram, who later becomes Abraham, and he says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God calls Abraham to follow him. Go, I'm, I'm, I'm sending you out. God promises him a, a land. That land is the promised land. We know they eventually go to the promised land. God promises to create a great nation. We know eventually a great nation comes and God promises to bless them. God would bless Abraham. God would bless his descendants. But God also says, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That word for families could be translated uh, peoples or nations. From the beginning, God's heart extends beyond Abraham. He's choosing Abraham, but through Abraham, he's going to bless all peoples. So God, through Abraham, creates this missionary nation. Somehow, they're going to be a blessing to the nations. And God tells Abraham's son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob, the same thing. He repeats the same thing to them. Through your descendants, God will bless the rest of the world. You are to represent Him to all peoples. You're going to be this missionary nation, this representative of God to the nations. Now like us, the nation Israel didn't always or even often uh, represent Him very well. And yet throughout the Old Testament, uh, we see uh, Israel at the stories centering on Israel and what they're doing, but we see examples of God's heart for all peoples. Because, of the fam- because there was famine in the land, uh, Abraham's grandson Jacob and all his family end up, end up down in Egypt. They end up in, eventually into slavery in Egypt. They're slaves for 400 years. They grow into this large number of people. They're not yet a nation, but they grow into this large number of people down in Egypt. And when the time is right, God raises up a deliverer to take them out of slavery. His his name is Moses, and he leads God's missionary nation out of Egypt. This is called uh, the Exodus. And it's our first example. 
Now, the exodus involved God raining down plagues, judgment on this nation, Egypt. And you might ask, how does, how does God uh, judging, putting plagues on a nation, demonstrate his heart for all peoples? And I might answer, in fact, I will answer, because God's judgments are always more than just punishment. We might think that the only purpose of the plagues was to force the Egyptians to let his people go. But through judgment, God demonstrates his power. He's really showing who he is to a rebellious people. Through the ten plagues, God revealed himself to Israel and to the nations, to Egypt and surrounding nations. Out of the, out of the exodus, out of the plagues, God gets a, a reputation that we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament, a reputation in, in Exodus 7, 5, God states this purpose for the plagues. He says, the Egyptians, the Egypt, why does he care about the Egyptians? Why were there ten plagues? Why didn't he just start with the last one? And why didn't he just wipe them out and say, okay, now you guys can go. There's nobody. Why? At Exodus 7, 5, God states this purpose. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. The Egyptians will know. Each of the plagues God sent was, was calculated to show His power and to destroy the Egyptians' trust in their so-called gods. Specifically, their trust in one so-called god named Pharaoh. The Egyptians worshipped their Pharaoh. He was God in human form. And with each of the plagues, God demonstrates that their god, Pharaoh, was powerless against the one true God. So what happened? What was the result? We all know that Israel escaped uh, uh, Egypt through the Red Sea. But is that all? I've shared this before, but there's a, a really cool scene in the movie The Prince of Egypt. Have you guys seen that movie, the, the cartoon, the animated musical? It's kind of old now. It used to not be old. It's awesome, right? Uh, it's a very short scene, and if you aren't looking, you'll miss it. Okay, During the Exodus... All these uh, Israelites are leaving Egypt. You see the, the, the camera. There's no camera. It's animation. That's stupid. The drawing, I don't know, of two Egyptians holding spears, and they're just holding their spears. They're dressed in their Egyptian garb, and they're watching the Exodus take place. And they look at each other, and they throw down their spears, and they exit as well with them. Okay. That's, but that's just a cartoon. What, what are you talking about? Because that's exactly what happened. The Bible says in Exodus 12, 37 and 38, and the people of Israel, this is the Exodus, journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men, so large nation, men, 600,000 on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them. Who were the mixed multitude that left Egypt with the children of Israel? They were the Egyptians and other foreigners who lived in Egypt. They were the people who came to know the power of the one true God. They were the people who realized their greatest hope was to join the people of God. God's judgments on Egypt were intended to demonstrate who He was that some might turn to Him, revealing His heart for all people. So after uh, Exodus, after the Exodus, God's missionary nation heads into the wilderness. And the wilderness, and in the wilderness on Mount Sinai, God gives them uh, the law. That's our second example. So, what was the purpose of the law? 
You don't have to answer. I'll tell you. That's what I'm here. That's what I get paid for, okay? Certainly, uh, the law was to instruct the nation in how they were to follow, how they were to obey God. How are you to relate to this amazing God? Here's the law. Here's how you have to relate to Him. And as Paul teaches in Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 20, through the law comes the knowledge of sin, another purpose of the law. Without the law, we wouldn't, we're doing, are we doing right or are we doing wrong? Well, look at the law. You know you're sinning. It reveals sin. But is there another purpose? Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Speaking of the, the law, Moses writes, keep them and do them. Why? For what For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Keeping the law would demonstrate to the peoples the surrounding peoples, the greatness and the wisdom and the understanding of Israel. And this would point them to the greatness and the nearness of, God, of the God of Israel. Through the law, God would be revealed and glorified among the nations. And once God's missionary nation was established in the promised land, it was then to declare His glory to the nations. We find this clearly taught in uh, other places But in our third example, the Psalms, the Psalms, we could actually uh, spend, and I thought about this, just doing this, spend our whole time in the Psalms, the songbook of God's people. The Psalms are filled with songs that declare God's heart for all peoples. Listen to, listen to one example, Psalm 67. May God be gracious. Okay, so this is inward. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Pause, Selah. Why? that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations, so that let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations under your, under, upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. The psalmist knew God had a heart for all peoples. As God blessed His nation, they would see this is a special God and all the peoples would praise Him. God should be worshipped by all the peoples. Another short example from the Psalms. One of the most familiar verses. Maybe most of us have heard it. Psalm 46.10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. You've heard that before? Be still and know that I am God. Most of us just stop there, though. I don't know why. And when we do, uh, this becomes this personal call to rest in the Lord, to be quiet before Him, to listen. But the verse doesn't end there. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The psalmist says, pause. Listen, be still, understand the awesome power of God. Listen, because the awesome power and might and holiness and righteousness is to be declared among the nations. Yes, we we can have those quiet moments with God, but never forget, God is more than your personal Savior. He's the God of all peoples. 
and all peoples must hear his, of His glory. So we see God's heart for all peoples in the songbook of His missionary nation. What about, what about in, in the place of worship of this missionary nation? Fourth example, the temple. The temple was Israel's place of worship. Uh, they worshiped God there and the place where God would come and, and meet them. Remember, God, we, we've talk, we talked about this a number of weeks ago. The, the holy of holies. Sprinkle the blood on the altar. God would come down. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 41-43, to 43, we read a part of Solomon's prayer of dedication. So this is the temple is being dedicated and Solomon, the king at the time, responsible for building the temple, is praying. And he's asking, this is what he asks God. Likewise, he says to the Lord, when a foreigner who is not of your people of Israel comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. Solomon knew the people in other nations would hear of God's greatness and come to his temple. And Solomon's prayer was that God would answer the prayers of these foreigners, thus spreading the word of God to all peoples of the earth. The temple of the Lord was not for Israel alone. It was a place where the nations could come and to seek the one true God. See God's heart for all the nations in the temple. Now after Solomon, after Solomon was king, the kingdom was divided into the northern and southern kingdoms. The northern and southern kingdoms. And both kingdoms uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, to a lesser extent, uh, did not follow after the Lord. They ceased being any kind of positive representation to the nations. They had one bad king after another. The kings had bad influence on the people. And eventually, God's judgment came. So God judges the nations, but God judges His own people as well. Both Both kingdoms were defeated, taken out of the promised land and placed into exile. And that's our fifth example, the exile. In the exile, God's missionary nation has this opportunity to be His representatives. They're no longer in their land. They're sort of individuals out there. And the greatest example of this is probably uh, a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel was uh, faithful to God in the midst of a pagan culture. He refused to worship other gods. And because of his faithfulness, he was thrown into a, everybody knows the story, lion's den. We know the story. But once Daniel escapes the lion's den and those who have thrown him in are punished, sometimes we stop with the escape, sometimes we get to find out those guys get eaten by the lions, okay? But that's not the end of the story. We need to keep reading. Daniel chapter 6, verse 26 and 27 tells what happens. This is uh, the words for King Darius. The guy that sort of, uh, in a roundabout way, had Daniel thrown into the lion's den. He's the ruler of the Mede-Persian Empire. This is his reaction to Daniel being uh, rescued. He says, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
for he is the living God. This isn't a prophet. This is King Darius. This is pagan king. Maybe, maybe not anymore, but before. He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in the heaven and on the earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. God's deliverance of Daniel was such a great witness to the power uh, of God, to this pagan king that he issued this decree, endorsing the worship of the one true God throughout his empire. We see that God was using Daniel in the exile to reach an empire. So, uh, that's five quick, and we need to speed it up even more. Five quick examples of God's heart for all peoples, just in the Old Testament. And there are many more, okay? Uh, watch the video. Here's a, there's a handout on the back table. Where it's got verse, more verses from the Old Testament. It's put out by Frontiers, right? Oh, you guys don't know. Okay. It says Frontiers right there. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I don't mean to. But, but there are so many. We could have talked about Joseph and the blessing he was and the witness he was in the nation of Egypt during the famine. We could have talked about Rahab, who was delivered from the city of Jericho because she heard about this God who had caused all these plagues, destroy, uh, who had delivered his people from Egypt. We could have talked about Ruth. And how God brought this, this, this one Moabite woman, this Gentile woman to salvation, to his people. We could have talked about how Rahab and Ruth, both Gentiles, both from the nations, the peoples, became part of the line of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They're, in, they're his great-great-great-great-grandmothers. We could have talked about how God used the wisdom of Solomon to bless the nations. How when Solomon was on the throne, people from all the nations, from the nations were coming to, to hear his wisdom and to know where he got it. We could have talked about Jonah. In fact, we did a couple weeks ago. that This reluctant prophet that God sent to his enemies, to this uh, uh, pagan empire of Nineveh. We could have talked about like, uh, these guys uh, who, like Daniel in the exile, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, represented God. In the exile. There's so much more of the Old Testament that we could have covered, but we need to move quickly to the New Testament. And because of uh, time constraints, we're going to go really fast here. Three more, though. Three more examples. Uh, the first, I think, the example where God's heart for all peoples is fully revealed uh, the Savior. The Savior. God's heart for all peoples is revealed in the Savior. There are two things I just want to point out quickly about how the Savior, Jesus Christ, demonstrates God's heart for all peoples. First, His coming. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love for the world, His heart for all peoples, caused Him to send His one and only Son Jesus came into the world, he died, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, perfect sacrifice. Why? So that whosoever, whoever in the world believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus' coming demonstrates God's heart for all peoples. Second, his command, Jesus' command, Jesus' final command to his disciples was make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. We, we already read it in Matthew 28, but did you know that Jesus gives similar yet unique commands in all three other Gospels and in the book of Acts? We don't have time to look at them, but, but I included them in your notes. They're there, and they're on the screen. Yes, they are. The point is, 
Jesus again and again commanded his disciples, and we are the descendants in a sense of his disciples, to go beyond our culture, beyond their people, to take the gospel to the nations, to all creation, to the ends of the earth. Just different words he used. And those original disciples, along with a guy named Paul, obeyed Jesus' command. So our seventh example, we see God's heart for all peoples in the apostles. During, during Jesus' time and the time of the apostles, there was this great barrier uh, between Jew and Gentile. The Jews, even the ones that became Christians, didn't understand that God had intended them to be this missionary nation. Sort of the words of Jesus I, uh, uh, sort of went over their head in many ways. But Peter, he puts a crack in this uh, barrier between the Jew and the Gentiles as he preaches the gospel to a Roman soldier named Cornelius. This is in the book of Acts. Tradition tells us that, that many of the other apostles went to different nations, Thomas to India and, and others to different places. And sort of Paul, he sort of smashes this barrier between, uh, between Jew and Gentile. He becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. Again, Gentiles, that word is everybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile, but it also sort of means the nations, the peoples. He took the gospel to the Gentiles throughout the Roman Empire. In fact, you see God's heart for all peoples clearly in the life of Paul. He said in Romans chapter 15, 20, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. Paul's desire was to preach the gospel in places where they had never heard of Jesus, giving all peoples an opportunity to respond to Christ. Why? Because Paul was given uh, by God a heart for all peoples. And Paul went, went to, to, to place after place preaching the gospel, telling people of the love of Christ to Ephesus and, and Galatia and Thessalonica and all those places. And we're to follow his example. We are because of our love for God and the love He gives us for the peoples. We are to take the gospel to the peoples of our world. Amen? One final example. Maybe next to Jesus, the clearest example of God's heart for all peoples is found in the end. The end. And so this is the end of the sermon and the final example, the end. The, the Bible teaches that, that God is sovereign. He's in control. That God's will will come to pass. And God in His Word has, has given us the privilege, this awesome privilege of, of looking into the future and seeing what His will coming to pass will look like. The Apostle John in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, 9 and 10, sees this picture of heaven. And, and listen to this. After this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could count that no one could number from every nation, from, every, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. God's heart is for all peoples. And God's will will be done in all peoples. Because at the end of time, at the end of time, when that end will come, well, Jesus says, when the gospel goes to all nations, Matthew 24, 14, then the end will come. But the end will come and, and there will be a great multitude that no one can count from every nation and tribe and people and language. God's will will be done. 
It's a done deal. But what isn't a done deal is the question, this question. What part will you play in reaching the peoples in our world? What part will you play in extending God's kingdom to the unreached peoples of our world? At Bridges, we believe we all have a part to play. Will you seek God as to whether you should be uh, one who goes? One who goes to one of the peoples that God loves? And will you support those who do go? Will you pray and give and encourage them that they may take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who've yet to hear or yet to understand? I would encourage you, I would really encourage you this this day to take an opportunity, come out to Brian's or after church here to talk to one of our missionaries who's here today about their ministry. Ask them how you can play a part, how you can be a part in their work, how you can partner with them in taking the gospel to all peoples, including uh, Spaniards and students and the urban poor and children and, and all kinds of countries and places where Jim goes, to the Muslim world. How, how can you be involved in that? Take an opportunity to to spend time getting to know uh, one of our missionaries, that you might find how you can partner with them in their ministry. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your heart for all peoples. Thank you that we're part of all peoples and you have a heart for us, Lord, that you saved us, that you redeemed us, that you brought us into into fellowship with you, into relationship with you, Lord. Uh, What an amazing blessing. You've blessed us, Lord, But your scripture is clear. Uh, Those you bless, you ask to be a blessing. Lord, and so I pray for each one of us who knows you. Lord, I pray that we would take that to heart. That we would seek to be a blessing to to other peoples. To those that uh, haven't had an opportunity to hear uh, your name, to know the gospel, Lord. Lord, give us uh, hearts for all peoples. Give us your heart, in Christ's name. Amen. Stay